0: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and ideas for becoming happier, healthier, and more productive. This week we'll talk about why you should imitate a spiritual master, and why it's a good idea to track any behavior that you're trying to change. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. With me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And many people have asked, who's older, who's younger? I'm five years older, but I call her my sister the sage because she's so brilliant.
1: Gretchen, thank you for that title. I don't think (laughs) a lot of people would disagree with that, but I will take it. You know, at the beginning of uh, most episodes, we like to update listeners on sort of how we're doing with our various uh, happiness initiatives. <laughs> initiatives. Yeah. And today we're going to hear from our producer, Henry Malofsky, who you hear us thank at the end of every episode. Yes. Yes when he actually has been incorporating some of this into his life. So today we're letting Henry let us know what he's latched on to. So Henry, give us your happiness update. Yeah.
2: Well, hi, guys. Hi. Thanks hi. for inviting Here me Here he in. is. I'm so glad Yay. I'm allowed to be on, on the side of the wall. Um Okay, yeah, so there are three things. I, I mean, I probably do all your things like more than anyone should. There you uh, go. <laughs> <I'm> gonna, <laughs> listen to you him. are a captive <laughs> audience. Yeah, I listen <laughs> to you guys a lot. and I love it. <laughs> um, the first one is... Stop reading that book, which you guys just did <gasps> oh, recently. yeah. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you said it, I was reading this book. It was a Dave Eggers book called uh, What is the What? And uh. it's so sad. And it's it's a beautiful book. It's really good. But kind of like Elizabeth with the goldfinch. Mm-hmm. Even though I loved the book, I just could... I never wanted to open it because right. it was really sad. And so I never did. And all these other books that I wanted to read had right. to wait. And so... I stopped right away as soon as you guys said that and now I'm reading a lot more and I'm like back in that mode where I like, can't wait to get on the subway oh. so I can open my book.
0: Oh, that's great. It's good. Yeah. Thank excellent. you good Excellent, excellent work.
2: Another one is the warm hellos and goodbyes. Oh, yeah. Which was another early one you guys did. I started working at this office when pretty much when you guys started doing the podcast, yes, so I'm still I, pretty new I remember
0: here. that day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you and I were both kind of like, looked Uh-oh. like <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, a little confused.
2: Yeah, and so offices are such a good place to do the hellos and goodbyes because the barrier for entry of like a warm hello is so low in yes. an office because everyone's so grumpy and tired <laughs> in the morning <laughs> that you can, and I work in a great happy office, but if you just do like even the slightest warm hello, it's to great effect. So yes. that um, one's been really helpful. Oh, good. And then the third one I wanted to mention that I did once was the power of envy <gasps> you guys identifying who you
1: envy Yeah
2: exactly and yeah. I was on this long car ride with my girlfriend right when that episode came out and we were listening to the episode and uh, we just started talking about it between the two of us and getting deep into when we were kids and then in our current we're both in our early 20s so there's a lot of career envy yeah and yeah I just thought about this one guy who's always I feel like one step ahead of uh. me in my in my job life. And he's a really nice guy. Um, <laughs> which totally is all the more yeah. annoying. Yeah. yeah, and so I hate him for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I always felt like when I had an internship, like he had a really good job. And when I got a job, he had like a better job. He was just always like ahead of me. Uh, and what was good about it is he pulled me forward, which was a good oh, motivation. Right. But also that like he was confident and like comfortable where he was. Uh, and I was like, oh, you're fine. Just relax and enjoy where you are. Your job is okay. You'll get there, whatever. Right. So he was two things. He showed me, like, what I wanted to be doing and also just showed me that it's all about being confident and comfortable where you are and it's okay.
0: Well, and part of it is, like, you see him from the outside, so you're not privy to his, like, his inner turmoil and doubts yeah. and stuff. He, you're like, that guy's got it made.
2: And, like, I've got all this stuff. I maybe he's doing. freaking out. Too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's looking at you thinking yeah. the same thing.
2: No, no. He's good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great car ride activity. So if you ever oh. like, need a good question for a car ride, oh, ask yeah. people who, who they've oh. envied. It's a that's... deep question. Yeah.
1: Excellent. <laughs> well, ex- thank you, Henry. Henry. Excellent.
2: Henry. Thank you guys for having me. Anyway. Thank you. Now yeah.
0: Henry
1: will return yes. to doing what it is he does yes
0: but we'll hear from him in future episodes because now that we have him in our sights there's no escape he can't escape us (laughs) he literally cannot escape us
1: and you'll put up a picture of henry on the so everyone can see what yes put the name with the face so now he's switching back into the booth so we'll give him a sec
0: so, Elizabeth, as always, we'll jump in with a suggestion that you can try at home some little thing that we hope will help make a big difference. And I love this try this at home tip, which is to imitate a spiritual master. Mm. And, you know, in the chaos of everyday life, it is easy for us all to lose touch with transcendent values, you know, like the really profound things. And we're happier if we bring those values into our daily lives, but it can be hard to figure out ways to do that. And I love this, try this at home, because I think to imitate a spiritual master really is a really creative, interesting, manageable way to bring in a transcendent value.
1: So Gretch, I want to hear one, who is your spiritual master and how do you imitate your spiritual master?
0: So the first thing you have to do is you have to identify your spiritual master. And, you know, it could be someone from history. It could be a religious figure. It could be someone you know. And then to imitate them, you have to learn about them, you know, whether you're going to read books or watch documentaries or study them. And then you have to translate whatever they're teaching into your everyday life, which can be tricky because a lot of times a spiritual master might be in a very different circumstance from you. So that's sort of the general idea of imitating a spiritual master. And I mean, I, want, I will talk for a minute about my spiritual master and I really have to hold myself back because once I get started talking about her, it's a little bit hard for me to stop. So jump in if I'm like going on too long. Um, so my spiritual master, the minute I, I, I picked up her spiritual memoir called Story of a Soul. Her name is St. Therese of Lisieux. And the minute I read it, I was like, okay, this is my spiritual master. Because, you know, it it, it it it's not always obvious here, spiritual masters. The minute I started reading this, I knew. And the thing is, I'm not even Catholic. I had never heard of St. Therese until I happened uh, through Thomas Merton to come across a reference to her. But when I read this, and the, and I've like gotten crazy studying St. Therese, I've got a whole gigantic shelf full of books about St. Therese, biographies and a photo album of her. And I'll post that on the site as well. Picture of all my St. Therese stuff, my shrine to St. Therese. But the thing that I love about St. Therese, she's the the saint of like ordinary virtue, like that she was able to be, she's a doctor of the church. She's not even just a saint. She's like a super saint. And she did that by just doing ordinary things with such saintliness. And so she's really about how to meet your everyday life In the right way. And so that really resonates with me. Um, And so I have to read like just this short passage from her memoir, Um, because what I love about her as a saint is, first of all, she's got a great sense of humor, which you don't expect in a saint. And she and her things that she talks about are very ordinary. They're very much the kind of things that we all grapple with each day. So as somebody who often works in a library, like on long tables with other people um, writing Mm -hmm. next to me, I could really identify with this. Okay, so here's what she writes. For a long time in evening meditation, I was placed in front of a sister who had a strange habit. As soon as the sister arrived, she began making a strange little noise, which resembled the noise one would make when rubbing two shells, one against the other. I was the only one to notice it, because I had extremely sensitive hearing. It would be impossible for me to tell you how much this little noise wearied me. I had a great desire to turn my head and stare at the culprit, who was very certainly unaware of her click. This would be the only way of enlightening her. However in the bottom of my heart I felt it was much better to suffer this out of love for God and not to cause the sister any pain I tried to forget the little noise everything was useless I felt the perspiration inundate me and so here's this saint breaking out in a sweat because she's so annoyed by this noise that this other nun is making So here's the thing about a spiritual master you know St Thérèse was Catholic she was French She was born in 1873. She died at the age of 24 from tuberculosis. She lived a bunch of her life in a cloistered convent with like 20 other nuns. So she and I have nothing in common. And yet she's my spiritual master. And she's the one who, when I read about what she teaches, she teaches me about myself and how I want to live my life.
1: Yeah, I have to say, Gretch, as as your sister, it doesn't shock me that you related to someone who's just trying so hard not to snap at somebody. Yeah,
0: right. Yes, that's right. Because that's my big thing. Yes, that's true. So it
1: it makes sense that you related to her and her struggles. Yeah.
0: And other things she talks about is like behaving in a friendly way to a nun who she really dislikes. And yeah, it's all about. Yeah, that's true. That's that's exactly. And that's the thing about a spiritual master is it tells you something about yourself because there's so many people you could choose to be your spiritual master. And the person you choose tells you a lot about yourself. And so, Elizabeth, I will say, who is your spiritual master?
1: Is it wrong that I think my spiritual master is Barbara Walters?
0: That's amazing. Why I love that's that. There, see, everybody's would pick someone different. There you go, Barbara Walters. Why is Barbara Walters your spiritual master?
1: I mean, she's my spiritual master because she's. An incredible trailblazer. She's independent. Yes. She's incredibly entertaining. I mean, you know that I have a obsession with The View and have since the day it debuted. I've discussed that on this podcast (laughs) and all to other talk shows as well. I just admire Barbara Walters. And I, not that I want to be a newscaster, but I just sort of admire everything about her. Now, I haven't studied her to the degree that you have studied Saint Therese. I mean, I guess I got to watch her every day for, right. you know, 15 years. And you read her autobiography, and, right? And I read, yes, of course. I read audition, <laughs> her autobiography. I listened to it actually. Cause, ah. you know, I have to listen to my celebrity autobiographies. Uh, there you I go. Like to hear the voice. Yeah. And so Barbara Walters is my spiritual master.
0: So you identified your spiritual master. You've studied your spiritual master, though it sounds like you might you could maybe study her more. Like I bet there's documentaries or you know interviews on YouTube you could watch. And then the question is, how would you translate what she means to you into your own life? Like for me, you're exactly right. For me, it's about forbearance, a, sen- a sense of humor, acting out of love even when it's difficult because a person's being annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what would so how would you translate it into your own behavior?
1: Maybe by, uh, not doing the safe thing, ah, you know, I, yeah. I think that I have a fear of going forward in life, um, because you know, a fear of failure. Right. Um, and so I would say maybe I should just move forward, whether it's personally or professionally without Fear. or not without fear you can have fear and do right. it anyway right. right but just like
0: with the view where it was like something completely different for her to do right. and she sort of made it up and it could have been a huge flop
1: exactly but it wasn't and so i should know that you know i can do something that i've never done before and it can succeed or it can fail and that's okay too right but to just put myself out there
0: so let us know if you do try this at home and if you imitate a spiritual master um, and who is your spiritual master. I think it's absolutely fascinating to he- hear who people identify as their spiritual master. So let us know who your spiritual master is and how you have tried to imitate your spiritual master. Tweet us, Facebook us, email us, um, or uh, as always, there'll be a special uh, post on my website, GretchenRubin.com, that'll go with this episode um, where you can join the conversation, post your comments, read other people's comments. You can see the Shrine to to St. Therese, uh, get the link to Audition if you want to read the, bio- <laughs> the autobiography, etc. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones.
1: Gretch, you know i love noom i love all the tools it has especially the step tracker and the weight tracker i rely on those every day
2: yep
0: you don't have to change it all in one day small steps make big progress sign up for your trial today at noom.com/happier that's n o o m.com/happier what do you have to lose visit noom.com/happier to start your trial today So our next segment is the better than before habit strategy. So in my book about how we change our habits, uh, better than before, I identify 21 strategies that we can use to make or break our habits. And so we've talked about the strategy of the four tendencies in episode 13 and the strategy of distinctions in episode 14. And this week, it's the strategy of monitoring, which is just the idea that we do a better job of any behavior we're trying to shape if we simply Monitor it.
1: Well, Gretch, you know, I am the queen of monitoring. Yeah. uh, Because I'm, as I think I've mentioned before, I'm a type one diabetic, which means that it's sort of what my blood sugar level is at any given moment is an important thing for me to know. Right. Right. So I actually have a monitor. I mean, I literally have a monitor. I have a wireless monitor that attaches to my stomach. And then I have a device that, that, 24/7 reads out what my blood sugar is since getting this monitor um, my A1c has gone down that's the sort of number that matters when you're a diabetic has gone down significantly and it's because at any given moment I can I can adjust my insulin or I can see what I'm doing wrong in my eating and you know how it shows up with my numbers well and here's the interesting
0: thing about monitoring Uh, i think for you've experienced this and this is generally true is that even when you're not consciously trying to change just by monitoring something people automatically start moving in the right direction like if they if you monitor how much you spend you tend to spend more wisely if you monitor what you eat you tend to eat more healthfully if you monitor your step you know you get a step counter you tend to move around more there's something about just knowing what you're doing Uh, that helps people sort of behave themselves better. And I know with your monitoring, there were sort of tricks that you might even have subconsciously been using when you were only pricking your finger four times a day that now with this better, more accurate monitoring, you don't do anymore.
1: Yeah, I would just wait for, uh, I I wouldn't test my blood sugar when I thought it was going to be a number I didn't like so that it wouldn't show up on the monitor and therefore later on my doctor wouldn't see it. Ah. Whereas what I know with this monitor is that there's no hiding from the doctor because he gets all the readouts. Whether I look at it or not, it's being recorded. And in fact, in terms of what you're saying, my doctors actually said, you know, that people who have the device I have, though, that the more often they look at it throughout the day, the more effective it is, which makes sense.
0: Ah, Uh, but it's interesting because you have found it to be a really powerful tool. But I remember for a long time you resisted it. You didn't want, you, you didn't, it took you a while to decide to get the monitor.
1: Yeah. And I think that's because I knew that I wouldn't be able to trick myself or anybody else about the numbers so it was going to hold me to a higher standard you know
0: and also i mean it atta- it's attached to your body i mean and i think yes, there was something about was... the idea that you're going to have a machine attached to your body that just it took you a while to wrap your mind around the fact that it like the that like you just had to accept that yeah But you make a good point, which is one of the things of one of the one of the pitfalls of monitoring. And I've certainly caught myself doing this: is that it's a lot more fun to monitor when you think you're doing the right thing. Yes. And so, like you know, I would carefully, uh, you know, record uh, what time I went to sleep if I was going to sleep early. But then on the night when you're doing something that is not the behavior that you're trying to do, you sort of forget to monitor yourself. Um, And so it's very tempting to only monitor the positive behavior. But of course, what you really need to be doing is to be tracking all behavior, so you see how often you're messing up or falling short of what you want that behavior to be.
1: Yeah. I am the person who, when I am, when I'm losing weight, I weigh myself religiously every single day. And as soon as I start gaining, I never step on the scale again. And is that I've got to change that because I know it makes a difference, but I, you know, of course, now I'm in a place where I refuse to get on the scale until I feel like I'm losing weight. So.
0: And and the reason why it's good to make a habit of monitoring is because then you're not deciding every day, oh, should I do this? Oh, should I do that? It just happens automatically because it's a habit. Now with your monitor, you don't have to decide anything because the the device will do it for you. But with something like this, like weighing yourself or writing down what time you go to sleep at night or something, if it's a habit and you just automatically do it, then you're not having to decide to do it. You just go ahead and do it. And once you're monitoring it, you're going to probably do a better job.
1: Gretz, today our question is from Clara in Colorado.
0: Hi, ladies. I've been really enjoying your podcast. I just graduated with my master's degree, and I'm about to go through a big period of transition. And I'm wondering if you have any tips on remaining happy through transitions. They're usually full of stress and the unknown. So I'm really struggling with
2: keeping up my demeanor. Thanks so much. Take care.
1: Well, Gretchen, I think the thing to do uh, to stay happy during a transition, one of the things is to remember that the transition is temporary. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as stressful as it is, like she's graduating, things are changing, it will be over. Like my, my writing partner, Sarah and I, when we're dealing with a really stressful situation, like, you know, we have to do a pitch or something, we'll say to each other, this will be over by dinner. You <laughs> yeah. know, that this yeah. period is a temporary period. In that case, it's a period of, you know, three hours. In her case, maybe she's dealing with it for two months, but two months from now, yeah, things will be normalized and that maybe will give her a little bit of relief in the present. And what else? Yeah, I think
0: that's a great suggestion. Um, Another one is to really think, well, what are the things that make you happy? You want to stay happy during this transition. So what makes Mm. you happy and how do you make sure that there's room for those things? So like at the top of that list, it's relationships. Relationships make us happy. They make us feel protected and cared for, and uh, they distract us, they give us fun. And so make sure that you have time with your friends, connect with your family. Like, re- Sometimes when you go through a transition, you just feel like you have to be crossing things off your list all the time. But you really need to take time for those relationships because that's going to help keep you happier. And also for fun, like what is it that you do for fun? What What helps you charge your battery? I mean, I feel like we're all mm-hmm. like cell phones that constantly need to be charged into the wall. So if it's going for a bike ride, if it's reading on the couch, if it's watching bad television, if it's cooking, if it's window shopping, whatever it is make sure that there's time for the things that make you happy and not to let the transition the 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 mechanics of a transition overwhelm you.
1: And I know you think transitions are great because they provide an opportunity for a clean slate. It's like the the best time for a habit change, right? Absolutely.
0: This is an and that's a great point, Clara. I should keep this in mind. Anytime we go through a transition, a transition of a relationship like a new boss or a new sweetheart or a new baby or a new puppy or transition in circumstance like a new school, a new job. And especially when we move where we live, Uh, it turns out that when they look at people who successfully changed a habit, 36% were associated with a physical move. When you go through transition, the slate is wiped clean. All your old habits are wiped away and new habits can crowd in. But whatever you do right at the beginning is going to be very likely to stick. So when you're going through that transition, think about, well, I would be happier if I exercised. I would be happier if I went to bed at a certain time. I would be happier if, you know, I did certain things in my day, if I built certain habits in. And as soon as you're, when you're going through that transition, try to put them in. And the earlier you put them in and the more consistent you are with them at the beginning, the, the more you're going to sort of stick and cement. So going through transitions are difficult, but like you say, it's a real opportunity for building better habits that are going to make you happier, healthier, and more productive.
1: Yeah, I know David Sedaris wrote a whole book about quitting smoking when he moved to Japan, I believe it was.
0: Oh my gosh, how did I miss that? I'm going to go look that up.
1: Gretchen, before we get to your happiness demerits this week, we want to announce that as part of our upcoming episode 20, which is going to be all about hearing from the listeners, Yes, we're going to include listeners' happiness demerits and gold stars. yes. So everybody, please call in with your happiness, demerits, and gold stars or post them uh, and describe in a few sentences, you know, as what we've done, what you're doing wrong and, and what you want to give a gold star to.
0: Yes. And to make sure that we get it in time, because we want to incorporate a lot of people's demerits and gold stars, or also uh, what you would change in a relationship, we mentioned that in an earlier episode, submit them by June 24th. So we make sure we have plenty of time to incorporate them. So we cannot wait to hear from everybody. So call, write, post. Gretch, you're up
1: with a happiness demerit.
0: Okay. This, sound, this I mean, this is something that I just, I do. I And I, you know... So I woke up one day and uh, I had this s- suspicion that I quickly repressed, which was that I had pink eye, um, because I, I do I am susceptible to pink eye, and and the way I always there's a one of my favorite books in the whole world is uh, Virginia Woolf's Mrs Dalloway, and there's a line in there where uh, it says of Clarissa Dalloway she's talking to somebody on the street and she felt oddly conscious of her hat, and <laughs> I always think of that when I get sick because I'm like. It's not that I feel sick exactly. It's just I feel oddly conscious of my stomach. And, you know, usually you don't notice your stomach. So if you're oddly conscious of your stomach, it's like it does not bode well. And so I was thinking, I'm oddly conscious of the outer part of my left eyelid. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I just notice it. I'm oddly conscious of my eyelid. And I know from experience what that means. Now, here I was in New York City on an ordinary day. Could I have easily taken steps at that moment to deal with my pink eye? Yes, I could. And yet, what I decided to do was to ignore it, hope for the best, go to LA on Memorial Day weekend <laughs> for work, and wake up Saturday morning, okay, with the full on pink eye, which I won't go into it, but you probably know. Uh, you know, and there was, I wasn't, I was in LA. I was in, it was Memorial Day. Then I had to deal with it. You and had so, pink eye. yes, I had pink eye. And so, it was irrefutable. And so, the lesson that I'd learned from this demerit is, Face the fact right away. And maybe there was nothing to be done particularly, but I didn't even consciously say, like, now I'm going to think about how I'm going to handle this pink eye. I just did nothing. And it made it much more complicated and logistically troublesome to deal with. Whereas if I had just dealt with it right away as soon as the problem presented itself. When I was little, I was very puzzled by the proverb, a stitch in time saves nine. Mm. And now I understand what it is. It's like, if you take a stitch in time, then you don't have, then there's nine stitches you don't have to make. And so that's, that's my demerit lesson learned.
1: Lesson learned. So Elizabeth, take us, take us, take
0: us to a better place with a gold star.
1: Well, Gretchen, you know, of course, one of my best friends in the whole world, Mindy Wilson.
0: Oh, I love Mindy. Love her whole family. Kansas
1: City. So Mindy is one of our biggest fans, one of our biggest cheerleaders. She listens to every episode. Uh, reads all your
0: books. I, I believe we introduced her to podcasts, right? Weren't we the first I podcast you listened to? I believe
1: we were. And yes. now she's an avid podcast listener. Excellent. So my gold star is for Mindy because so in episode 13, uh, I was talking about how I'm an obliger, yes. uh, which means that I respond to outer expectation, right?
0: Yeah. Outer expectations, but struggle to meet inner expectations.
1: Exactly. And as part of that discussion, I was talking about how I want to cook, you know, I want to learn to cook, start cooking, yet I never cook. Right. I I mean, never. (laughs) Um, And so my birthday happened to be the following week and Mindy very sweetly sent me a Barefoot Contessa cookbook with Mm. a note attached saying... Liz, I'm expecting you to cook something and tell me about having, you know, cooking it. And so, uh, um, well played Mindy. Well, played. yes. So <laughs> she got me, she figured out what to do and she got me. So, um, so gold star to Mindy yeah. for not just being a friend, but being, you know, being the sort of friend who will, you know, know me as well as I know myself. Right. So I've got to, now I have to admit, I haven't even cracked the cookbook, but of <laughs> course I have in my mind, I have to cook something and report back to Mindy. Right. And to um, us and to me. And okay. Now, yes. Yeah, okay. You're doubly so i have, re- have to report back. So yes. men, thank you. Uh, gold star to you for speaking to the obliger in me.
0: <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home imitate a spiritual master and let us know who did you choose as your spiritual master? I am dying to hear who people choose. And if you imitate your spiritual master, uh, what does that mean for you? And did it work? Did it make you happier? And also remember, we want to hear about your demerits and gold stars. So call or write or post on my website, describe it in a few sentences and do it by June 24th. So we have plenty of time to work in your comments.
1: And thank you to our producer, Henry Malofsky, Yay. who is also a guest on the yes, show today. Yes, yes. thank Yay you, Henry. Henry. And also thanks as always to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer from Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us onward and upward.
2: This is my real voice. Hello, I'm Bawa Wawa. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network.
0: Check out our entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com/panoply.